in many parts of healthcare, as elsewhere in the U.S. economy, we have a myth that paying people more allows us to hire people to do a better job. The number of seven-figure pay packages for top nonprofit hospital executives continues to rise. Coming up on the Payers and Providers podcast. Payers and Providers began its semi-annual hospital C-suite compensation survey in 2010. In the intervening years, one fact has held steady. The number of top hospital and health system executives who earn $1 million or more a year has steadily grown. You can purchase this year's survey by visiting payersandproviders.com and clicking on the white papers link. According to this year's survey, 47 hospital CEOs earn total compensation of at least a million dollars a year. That compares to our last survey two and a half years ago when 32 CEOs were members of the seven-figure club. And George Halverson, the now-retired chairman and CEO of Kaiser Permanente, entered the eight-figure club. Alan Sager, a professor of health policy and management at Boston University, whom we quoted at the start of this podcast, isn't surprised by the trend. In the United States generally, corporate CEOs make substantially more than their counterparts in other rich democracies. And that's partly because of CEO self-sanctification, where they've, uh, they've persuaded themselves and persuaded other people that they alone are essential to the well-being of the hospital. And also, there's less popular or political resistance. There was a Swiss CEO who paid himself a huge amount of money, and the Swiss, who are known to be you know, certainly as free enterprise as we are, if not more, had a referendum where they tried to put in place a law that would prohibit CEOs from making huge amounts of money. Certainly, healthcare delivery is a huge economic force in the United States and has been a big job creator in recent years. Hospitals employ nearly 5 million people nationwide and more than 500,000 in California alone. But Sager noted that not every job created by the sector is well-paying. One recent study found that, yes, nurses make more than their equally skilled counterparts in the United States who work outside healthcare. But the enormous number of lower skilled, low paid people who work in healthcare, in hospitals as nurses' aides or helping with food or cleaning, or who work in nursing homes or home healthcare, make less than their counterparts outside healthcare. Incentive payments also make up a good portion of this year's compensation, up significantly from our last survey. Some CEOs, such as Patrick Fry of Sutter Health and Bernard Tyson of Kaiser Permanente, receive additional compensation that was triple or close to triple their base salaries. Long-term pay has increased tremendously. I mean, so these are nonprofits, so it's not going to be something like equities, but they will be bonus schemes that will be tied to things like revenue growth, the hospital type of setting, it might be tied to things like managing costs over some you know, longer period of time. That's Brian Cadman, a professor of accounting at the University of Utah and an expert in executive compensation trends. He noted that many large organizations have been paying their top executives in recent years based on performance. I would agree that the, the general idea of linking pay to more long-term performance is, is certainly a growing trend. Cadman and Sager diverge on how compensation should be tied to overall value. Cabin believes if you pay a lower salary, even in a hospital with a community mission, 
it will attract a less stellar executive. The idea of thinking that an executive in a non-for-profit needs to be paid less simply because it's a non-for-profit, I don't think that's going to generate a lot of talented executives at non-for-profit institutions. But he's not necessarily comfortable with the way incentives are structured for hospital and healthcare system executives. So the idea of essentially paying the executive highly doesn't personally trouble me, um, but what is potentially troubling to me is that the incentive schemes for these executives are revenue-related or income-related rather than healthcare-related. Sager is also troubled by the kinds of pay gaps in healthcare that reflect income inequality in the country as a whole. He is concerned about how they could wind up impacting how patients in California and elsewhere not only receive clinical care, but the overall social intercourse with their caregivers. For more and more patients, healthcare reality is, I can't afford the deductible. I can't afford the coinsurance. I can't afford to fill the prescription my doctor wrote for me. And when there's a huge financial gap between the CEOs and the doctors on one hand, and ordinary Americans on the other, the CEOs and the doctors suffer from what I call stunted empathy. They just don't relate to the ordinary lives that ordinary people have. And they scorn us, disdain us, because we haven't got the money. Again, to obtain the Payers and Providers C-Suite Compensation White Paper and Data, visit us at payersandproviders.com and click on the White Papers link near the top of the home page. The Payers and Providers podcast is a production of Payers and Providers Publishing, LLC. Music is by Steve Combs. Comments, questions, or suggestions? Please contact us by email at editor at payersandproviders.com, via Twitter at the handle payersproviders, or by phone at area code 323-547-4307.